Hello and welcome to the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your favorite team every single day. My name is Ian McLaren, I'm your host, and every day we get together to chat about all things spoke to be. First, let me remind you that you can follow me on Twitter at ENC McLaren. You can follow the show at LO underscore Boston Bruins. Please also subscribe, download, listen to the podcast every day via Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher. Put your uh, Open up your favorite podcast app and put in the RSS feed if you'd like. You can be found uh, on the Megaphone page, uh, which I'll share later on today. Um, yeah, also please tell your Bruins-loving friends and family members about the podcast. Uh, word of mouth goes a long way to getting uh, the show out there and uh, yeah, listened by more Bruins fans, which is which is the goal. As I mentioned, the Bruins came out on top of a road game against the Islanders on Saturday. Another one that went to overtime, which for many of us, uh, you know, opens up the very real possibility that the Bruins will lose as they lead the league in shootout and overtime losses this season. However, they were able to uh, hopefully begin to reverse that trend and pick up the extra point thanks to a power play goal scored by Patrice Bergeron at the 133 mark of the extra period. The Bruins uh, have now again won three games in a row. It was just their third non-regulation win in 14 tries this season. Uh, so it was nice for the Bruins to get that extra point. It's been a while. Uh, and uh, the power play continues to be lethal as uh, the Bruins set a franchise record for their 13th straight game with a power play goal. Brad Marchand was brought down by Brock Nelson as he was weaving and bobbing in the offensive zone. And then uh, Tori Krug, who was playing in his 500th career game, uh, drew the assist on Bergeron's game-winning goal. Bergeron said it was an amazing play by Tori. was reading that there were two guys going at him, so I figured that if I would stay in the pocket and the puck would come, I'd have a little bit of time, and I did. Great play by him, and for sure, Bergeron uh, was able to snap a shot past Semyon Varlamov uh, on the four-on-three man advantage. Uh, the Bruins, again, have been really thriving on the power play this season, which makes up for their uh, kind of level play at five on five. As I mentioned on Friday's podcast, the Bruins are pretty level around 50% in terms of uh, shot attempts at even strength and expected goals at even strength. Um, the power play has been a big source of their success this season, uh, which is a bit dangerous because we know if, if that dries up a little bit, then they um, can go through a bit of a rough patch as they did back in December. Um, but thankfully they were able to, uh, make it work in overtime to get that extra point and to improve their overtime record. Um, and as Bruce Cassidy said, maybe this will be the beginning of balancing the scales with that part. And, uh, I mean, obviously the Bruins want to get wins taken care of in regulation, but, uh, it's nice to get that confidence back. David Pasternak a little while ago mentioned that, uh, maybe they were kind of hesitating a bit in overtime that they had lost some confidence, but uh, hopefully this is a good building block if and when those games do go to overtime in the future. Uh, the Bruins were outshot 14-5 in the first period. Tuka Rask 
was there to bail them out. He made 13 stops, allowing one goal, um, but uh, did enough to keep his team in the game long enough for the Bruins to come out with the victory. Um, it easily could have got out of hand in the first period, but, um, you know, as John Moore said, if not for Tuca in those first 20, you wonder where we'd be. Don't want to stick with that recipe. You want to learn from it and improve. Uh, Bruce always talks about building a 60-minute game. That's where our focus is. Wasn't there early on, but uh, thankfully they were able to, uh, yeah, escape with the two points. Uh, Matt Grizzlick exited the game with a lower body injury early in the first period. Charlie McAvoy uh, skated almost 29 minutes as a result, including uh, most of overtime. Uh, he set up Jake DeBrusque's first period goal. He also made a great play in the second period to break up a two-on-one. Um, he still hasn't got that goal yet. John Moore, as we saw, got a goal while McAvoy still looking for his first of the season. But as we've talked about on the podcast a lot, uh, his overall play is, uh, you know, displaying what you want from a top pair defenseman, both ends of the ice, and um, really encouraging progress progress for McAvoy's game this season. Uh, as for Grizzlick, he was uh, slashed in the back of the leg, was expected to go x-rays, uh, no update. We'll see if he's able to go from uh tonight's game against the Flyers. Uh, if not, then, you know, Steve Kampfer uh, will likely get the assignment in his place. Uh, as I mentioned, Moore got one home. Uh, it was kind of a weird shot in that it pretty much stayed on the ice as a slap shot. Uh, but it was nice to get, yeah, some of that secondary scoring uh, coming from uh from less likely guys to uh, really boost Boston's chances in this game. Overall, the Bruins, they were outshot 37-33 in terms of uh, overall uh, shot attempts. They, let's see here, uh, trailed the Islanders by 65-55 at even strength which is not very great considering the Islanders are one of the worst Corsi teams in the NHL. They had a 54% uh, advantage over the Bruins in all situations that went up to, uh, sorry, went down to 52% for the Islanders, 48 for the Bruins, 70, 64. So not super encouraging from that end for the Bruins, but they were able to get uh, the win, um, which, uh, you know, obviously is important. Um, what else is noteworthy? No, Bruin had more than a point in this one. So the three goals, well spread out. DeBrusque, uh, Moore, and Bergeron, as I mentioned with the winners. Krug with his 26th assist of the season. Um, the Bruins now, as I mentioned, get set to play the Flyers tonight before another road game against the Blue Jackets on Tuesday night. Two teams kind of fighting for wildcard position. Uh, then the Bruins next have a home-and-home uh, home with the Penguins, although well spread out. One is on Thursday, and then the next will be Sunday afternoon as the uh, matinee NBC schedule uh, kicks off. Um, 
and the Bruins will play the Penguins at 12.30 on next Sunday. But we'll talk about that, obviously, more later on this week. For now, the Bruins are uh, tied for first overall with the Washington Capitals and the St. Louis Blues, uh, each with 65 points and each with a uh, 7.07 point percentage. Um, As I record right now, there's a couple games the Bruins will be watching for on Sunday with the uh, red-hot Tampa Bay Lightning taking on the New Jersey Devils. The Lightning have won 10 in a row. And they're only now uh, seven points back of the Bruins with two games in hand. The Maple Leafs and Panthers uh, will also play here on Sunday night as they uh, the Panthers look to jump up into the race for third in the Atlantic. They're three points back of the Maple Leafs with the game in hand. Um, obviously, that will change by the time you hear this here on Monday, but um, definitely interesting times in the Atlantic Division as the Lightning are charging hard and the Panthers look to either grab share of third place or jump into the wild card spot uh, with Philadelphia and Columbus battling hard for that as well. Speaking of the Flyers, here's my chat with Rachel and Danielle from the Locked On Flyers podcast to preview tonight's game and just check in on uh, how both teams are doing to this point in the season. Enjoy. We are so excited to have Ian from Locked On Bruins here to talk to us about tonight's game versus the Bruins. So at the moment, the Bruins, who am I kidding at the moment? In all of history, the Bruins are in first place in the Atlantic (laughs) Division, currently with 65 points and have gone 6-3-1 in their last 10. Seems good. Yeah, uh, they went through a a pretty rough stretch uh, back in December, even into the new year where they had only won like four of 15, um, but they've won three in a row now and hopefully have um, turned things around a little bit. Um, I'm a little concerned about kind of their underlying numbers where they're not a particularly strong uh, possession team or um, particularly strong in like quality shot uh, opportunities uh, at even strike. They're really kind of riding on their power play right now. They've scored at least a power play goal in uh, the last 13 games, which is a new uh, team record. Um, and they're also really um, helped by the fact that they have two starting level goalies. Um, so they've been able to kind of sustain high quality save percentages, even when they don't have to start their quote-unquote top goalie, which a lot of teams don't have the luxury of doing. Um, So, yeah, things have been going obviously really well for this team this season, but um, there's still still room for improvement, I think, um, both on the ice and in the lineup itself. Yeah, I think... All that to say, sorry, all that to say the Flyers uh, certainly have a chance to beat the Bruins tonight, I would say. They've, They've lost too far... Uh, lesser teams than than Philadelphia this year. Like they've lost to New Jersey recently. They one of the only teams that Detroit has beaten. So they're certainly vulnerable if if um, if 
the top line isn't firing off and the the power play isn't quite clicking as well. Yeah, the Flyers obviously beat the Bruins earlier this season. Right, uh, we yeah. were especially thrilled about it because it was in a back-to-back with Toronto, and we kind of expected to get zero points out of that back-to-back and got four. So uh, that was a, a, back in November, those were good times for us <laughs> in Flyers land. <laughs> but that was a good game overall. Mm-hmm, yeah, they always play seem to play entertaining games, these two teams, so it should be good either way. I mean, so, uh, yeah, in my, in my decade recap I did a couple weeks ago on my podcast, obviously it started off in, in 2010 with a huge collapse for the Bruins against the Flyers, so I always have in the back of my mind some, you know, just uh, residual trauma from that and just always expecting that when they these two teams play that the Bruins will will blow it somehow or the Flyers will, will get the better of them. So I'm not always optimistic playing the Flyers just because of that <laughs> PTSD, I guess, from that series way back That's 10 fair. years ago or whatever. Yeah. yeah. So Ian, um, you touched on it before about like how the Bruins have kind of been up and down recently and they're riding the ship now with the mom's trip. Um, <laughs> they've won, they've had a lot of overtime and shootout losses. Um, about 11, uh, what do you, or I guess shootout lost points, what do you think is the main reason to that? I mean, yeah, last last I checked, they were clear leaders in the overtime shootout loss category. They, I'm pretty sure, yeah, they have 11. They did beat the Islanders in overtime on Saturday, which was a nice uh, turnaround. Uh, it always seems like whenever it does go to overtime or the shootout lately, Bruins fans on Twitter kind of check out because we just expect that it's going to end up in a loss. I don't really know the reason why um, they are very inept when it comes to the shootout. Um, only I think Charlie Coyle has scored more than once in the shootout this season. Is that uh, because he to... actually has to shoot during the shootout? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, he's one of the only guys that is reliable. So he's pretty much out there every time uh, when it comes to overtime. Um, they had a couple of nice wins early in the season. There was one on uh, Black Friday, particularly where they beat the Rangers on a really nice overtime play. Um, but since then, it's yeah been uh, a lot of losses. Uh, David Pasternak recently said it was just kind of a confidence thing. Like once you just start getting beat in overtime, you take maybe less chances. They'd get some good scoring opportunities. That wouldn't pan out, and then they get kind of a two-on-one the other way, and they would uh, get buried that way. So perhaps they're being a bit more cautious. Um, they certainly have, you know, the top-level talent to deploy in overtime that uh, should score more often than not. Um, the game against the Islanders on Saturday, they had a power play, uh, so they were able to get, you know, their top three forwards and a defenseman out there, which helps. Uh, but yeah, it's just, uh, just a string of bad luck that has kind of resulted in that. Uh, thankfully they've been able to at least get those points in the bank. Uh, but, um, it's a kind of a troubling trend if it, if it continues, uh, down the stretch and into the playoffs, obviously we know in the playoffs, there's no loser point. You lose in overtime, you're, you're done. But, um, yeah, I don't, I don't think there's really, uh, 
a clear reason as to why they've been struggling in overtime and and hopefully they can gain some confidence from this win against a, a pretty good Islanders team uh, who had been uh, pretty dominant in overtime so far this season. You talked a little bit about the Bruins power play being mm-hmm. so successful. Uh, the Flyers penalty kill is actually pretty good and has performed especially well over the last few games but the Flyers' power play is absolutely dreadful. What do you think there is in the Bruins' penalty kill that maybe the Flyers could exploit to get our power play going? Uh, I mean, the Bruins' penalty kill, um, it can certainly... They have the benefit of being able to put... uh, Bergeron and Brad Marchand are on the penalty kill. They're especially, um, you know, puck possession friendly players. They really uh, forecheck well on the the penalty kill. So in terms of what the Flyers could do, I mean, um, there's certainly room there to take a lot of penalties against the Bruins. They sometimes can be a little bit undisciplined. Uh, the other night they took four or five penalties uh, ended up winning the game, but still they were uh, killing penalties a lot in the first period. And as I mentioned earlier, the, they're not especially dominant five on five. So if, if the Flyers can get uh, the Bruins to take a little bait there and, and take some penalties and then just, yeah, really taking advantage of when the Bruins are deploying more checking line guys in the penalty kill role, then, um, I think the Flyers could uh, really take advantage of of those opportunities against the Bruins and get some get some goals going there. If the penalty kill is working for the Flyers as well, and the Bruins can't get those penalty uh, or the power play goals, and um, the five on five play uh, could be a, a, a situation where the game turns as well. If that answers your question, I don't know if that <laughs> was what you're looking oh, for, yeah. but yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's tough to say. But the, I think I think special teams could really be a deciding factor in in a lot of Bruins games going down the stretch. Because, like I mentioned, if the if the power play isn't clicking, they are vulnerable at five on five, and um, their power, their penalty kill isn't perfect as well. Nobody's is, but uh, they certainly have some weaknesses in there as well with some of those checking line guys that they put out there. You mentioned obviously some of your top guys, Pasternak. Marshawn have, you know, over 60 points each, which is absolutely bonkers. Can you talk to us about maybe some of the depth players that Flyers fans would be less likely to know a lot about that we should keep an eye on? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, uh, secondary scoring has been a big issue for this team, not only through the first half of this season, but dating back to last season. Uh, they brought in Charlie Coyle, who... Uh, has been um, anchoring the third line at center, but he's also been jumping up to second line right wing. That's the biggest hole for this team right now. Um, They have a young guy named Anders Bjork who's playing uh, right wing on a line with Jake DeBrusque uh, and David Krejci. Uh, He's um, developed into a really um, nice two-way forward for this team, but he has the ability to... Um, to put the puck in the net as well. So if he 
continues to get comfortable in that role, uh, that could be a really nice trio for the Bruins. So Anders Bjork is one guy to look out for, I think. Um, on the third line, uh, Danton Heinen, he's also a, a very good two-way forward who has been uh, benched in recent games, scratched uh, because he wasn't um, providing kind of all the energy that, that they needed to succeed from, from bottom line. So he's another guy that has started to score a little bit more and to find his game. Um, so I think he, he's another guy uh, that that Flyers fans should watch out for us. Um, you know, if these guys are able to contribute, then the Bruins are going to win more often than not uh, because of how dominant the top line is. And they can score basically on any given shift. So if these secondary guys can uh, find more comfortable roles and, and get going, then uh, it, it's a bonus for the Bruins for sure. But still, something that they need to address uh, definitely before the trade deadline, I think. Danielle, did you have anything else? I do have one more question. It's not necessarily, um, it doesn't pertain to the Bruins and the Flyers in this game, but I mean, and you see um, <clears throat> the Atlantic Division a lot, obviously. The Florida Panthers, do you... Do you think they're going to push for a uh, that last spot or the last wild card spot, um, or do you think both of them, both of the wild card spots, are going to come from the Metro? Um, I I really did think uh, a few weeks ago I would have said that it was going to come from the Metro, but I think the, the Panthers are such a weird team that I, I've been talking about them a lot this season. Uh, they are, I think, right now they're only a point back. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Flyers, <laughs> Flyers, yeah, and um, yep, they're playing. They're playing Toronto on Sunday, so that'll be an interesting game. But they, they're hanging in there. Uh, they're within striking distance of third in the Atlantic, although I don't really see them catching up to either Toronto or Tampa or even Boston. Uh, but yeah, they're hanging in there in the the wild card race, and they've gotten just atrocious goaltending from. Sergey Bobrovsky, who they're paying whatever, like $10 million this year, his save percentage is below 900. Uh, so the fact that they're even hanging around in the wildcard race is a testament to how good this team is. They have really uh, high end players in uh, Alexander Barkov, Jonathan Huberto. They're getting depth scoring. A guy that the Bruins had a couple of years ago, uh, Nola Chari, he basically. Hardly ever scored for the Bruins, and now he's got 17 goals for the Panthers this season. Uh, so if they could even get league average goaltending from Bobrovsky, I think they will be uh, a very dangerous team down the stretch. And I, I do think that they could, um, yeah, catch up to uh, those Metro teams, and we could see if like uh, an even 4-4 four and four split. So um, it's definitely a team, I think, Flyers fans should be should be worried about uh, down the stretch. I don't um, think um, Columbus. I don't see them hanging around too too much, uh, but they've been pretty surprising lately. Um, so I think it'll come down to like Carolina, Philadelphia, and Florida for that for that last wild card spot. And I don't expect Carolina to drop down. So really, I think it'll be yeah race between the Flyers and the Panthers for that for that extra second wild card spot down the stretch, which uh, unfortunately uh, <laughs> that's uh, too bad for you guys. But I, I do think, yeah, 
the Flyers will be in tough to to hang on if if Bobrovsky plays even close to what was expected from him down the down the rest of the season. I don't know if you guys agree with that or disagree with that, but you guys think I was that was actually going to ask you guys about that. Uh, <laughs> how comfortable are are you with the with the Flyers hanging on there, or is that I don't know the Flyers to me are are a bit of a weird team. They have that veteran like core guys and like Drew and Voracek. There's a lot of young guys. Um, even like as we near the trade deadline, do you think they're going to be uh, the proverbial buyers? Will they be sellers? Will they stand pat? What do you think they're going to make a, a real push to, to secure that wild card spot, or um, are they still kind of uh, looking to the future? Or what's the plan there? in your estimation? I think it's going to depend on the injury situation because like obviously the defensive core right now is a little hurting. Okay. It's a lot hurting with both (laughs) Braun and ghost out at the moment. And, you know, we have an AHL defenseman up there right now, as well as Robert Haig, who is, you know, sometimes okay, but most of the time he definitely belongs in that seven slot. And so I think, you know, that's a big factor. I think the other factors, obviously, you know, at the beginning of the season, we expected to have a really strong forward core with a lot of depth and then having Nolan Patrick essentially gone and then losing Oscar Lindblom, who was having a phenomenal season to that point, kind of destroyed the solid depth that we had. So again, we're relying on a lot more younger guys in those positions. And the bottom six is very young and very green. And so it's going to be a combination of, of I think the injury and are these young players going to step it up in a way that helps support maybe some of the lack of scoring from Giroux, I would say, and, you know, and some of the other more, more top guys. Right. Yeah. And I, I think, um, sorry. I think that, uh, I think that they will make a a move at the deadline. I don't know what, because of their cap situation, the fires are actually pretty, pretty tight on the cap. Um, But just with the the changes that management has made over the the summer and, and um, just in the front office, I think now is the time like they, they want to make a move and, and be contenders and, and get into the playoffs um, and win around. That has been something that we hear, we've we heard um, all summer. So I think they will make a move. I just don't know what. Um, and that makes me a little bit nervous. Yeah, I think they'd have to give up something yeah. with a, a significant enough cap hit to get something useful in return. So I think Chuck Fletcher has a big challenge ahead of him if that is in fact the case, especially because as we all know, the price you pay at trade deadline is a lot higher than you would pay over the summer. Yeah. Right. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's always tricky. The Bruins, if the Flyers need some defensive help, the Bruins also uh, have a slightly used uh, John Moore that uh, we oh, have God. <laughs> <laughs> Pass on. <laughs> the drink sounds Charlie McAvoy. I'm like, absolutely, we'll sign that right now. Yeah, yeah. I know. Yes. It's, it's like the Bruins' feelings about John Moore. I think are probably a little similar to how the Flyers fans felt about Andrew McDonald for the last oh, yeah. few years. His, his cap hit is a bit more uh, 
palatable, I guess, but still, he's, yeah. yeah, we have him for three more seasons after this one, I guess. So not a great signing along with David Backus that the Bruins are stuck with as well. Yeah. But the Flyers need some pretty uh, leadership, right? better in leadership, then feel free to take him as well. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the thing you can say nice about David Backus is that he likes dogs. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. That's his, that's his one. If the Bruins ever jump on the locker room puppy train, then that dog will be in good hands for sure. Yeah. Um, another thing I was wondering about is uh, I haven't really kept too much tabs on, on Carter Hurt. What's his uh, development been like this season? And, um, you know, how how has he transitioned to pretty much a full-time NHL gig so far? Uh I think that Carter Hart has done exactly like what is expected. You know, he, he's a good goalie. Obviously we've seen that. We know that. And I think that it's just, this is his first full year in the NHL. So he's going to have ups and downs. Right. Um, right now. The biggest thing is that his, um, his home save percentage versus his road save percentage is a little concerning, but I mean, when you look at the Flyers home and road uh, as a team, that's also concerning. So, you know, it's, I think that Carter Hart has been fine. I don't have any complaints with him or Brian Elliott, which is surprising as a Flyers fan, because I'm always (laughs) concerned about goaltending. Um, But that's as of right now, I think that I'm, I'm very happy with Carter and I think that he's only going to get better Um, especially just, I mean, the last game they played against Tampa, he was one of the brightest, flyers on the ice so um yeah i don't have any complaints i assume yeah, that I... the numbers at home are a bit better so that'll probably factor in a bit with this game being played in philadelphia the bruins might be in tough to to get a few past past heart who i assume will be starting yeah i would think so yeah, yeah. it's especially knowing there's the back-to-back for us later in the week mm-hmm. that they'll split so I, I think that they'll give him this game for sure right. um, yeah. with both of those considerations in mind. And the thing about Carter Hart too, that I think we appreciate is that the team is so comfortable playing in front of him mm, yeah. that I think it improves the team's game overall because they trust him in mm. a way that they might not have with previous goaltenders on this team. Right. I think same, same, for fans as well, <laughs> yeah, yeah, just yeah. trust him a lot more than, yeah, yeah, he's yeah. special, special talent for sure. Definitely looks like they've finally solved that riddle, and he'll he should be there for, for yeah, I mean the foreseeable future, obviously, and backstop well, we in the so. flyers, yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely. And it's it's kind of sucks because, like you said earlier, like um, not a lot of teams have the like two really good goalies that are starters that could be starters. So right. it's like the flyers kind of get one. And now it's like the league, like the teams that succeed or find success have two. Right. Like, oh, okay. Well, we're still behind. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's been a big trend this year, even with like Washington with the two goalies now mm-hmm. with Samson stepping up and St. Louis to some degree. Um, it really seems like you need those. Yeah. Two, two pretty good goalies to, um, to succeed in today's NHL. So that's, yeah, just an extra challenge. The Bruins were 
very lucky to sign Halak last mm-hmm. or two summers ago, and and uh, I'm hoping that they'll be able to keep him around for next year because they could fall off a bit without him. But uh, not worried too much about that quite yet. But something to think about for sure. Um, I, I guess just kind of a similar question as well to the the one you asked: Who should uh, Bruins fans watch out for in this game apart from? Uh, the more recognizable games. Who's been, who's been uh, just impressing you two lately with with their play, and, and could um, have a chance to to stand out in this game. I know Bruins fans uh, kind of lament uh, not drafting Travis Konechny. That's a guy that they passed yeah. on uh, they, famously. Oh, it, when yeah. they had those three picks in a row. Yes, last <laughs> night or on Saturday night. Uh, Matt Burzel scored on the Bruins, so uh, obviously that was always uh, yeah uh, something that Boston that was fans a hell of a draft. On. Yeah, um, so yeah, other than Konechny or including Konechny, who are who are some guys that Boston fans should maybe be worried about in this game? I'm always going to say Scott Lawton. Okay. In these situations, you know, he has been out a little bit with an injury. He broke a finger. But he's been back for a little while now and has been stepping up, I think, tremendously um, playing center and doing really well at it, I think. And and he's just super tenacious on the puck and with the battles in the corners and then, you know, will surprise you with some really good moves on scoring attempts that I think you just would not have seen from him in years past. I think he's just built his confidence to a point where he's able to try those things. And I think he's also got a really good head on his shoulders now and is super smart about any like physicality that his game, which has always been really strong, but I think he's figured out a way to use it in the most effective way possible. Mm. Um, I I would think I would say... Joel Farabee, just because I think I could see him having like a really good game against the Bruins. He scored in the shootout the last time they they've played, and he went to um, Boston University. So I think that he kind of gets up gets up for the for the Bruins. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if we see that. That, but that's if he gets enough ice time to do it. <laughs> I guess one other question I had, speaking of ice time, was how. Uh, how are Fl- Flyers fans feeling about uh, Alain Vigneault behind the bench? Is it kind of f- favorable opinions or people kind of uh, not really down with his his uh, kind of style or what's the what's the feeling about him these days? I think it's still mostly really good. Okay. I think that he is really honest and is very upfront with fans. I think, you know, when he does post-game interviews, he'll say if the team performed really badly and, you know, sometimes he'll bring up some, you know, bright moments in a terrible game and compliment guys, but if nobody deserves it, he'll say so. And so I think, like, it's really clear to both us and the guys in the room 
how he's feeling and what needs to happen. I think we're a little bit more concerned about Michelle Terrian coaching our power play at the moment than AV. But yeah, I think that, you know, AV has a pretty long leash right now. Yeah, I would agree, especially with the power play comment. Um, But yeah, AV, I I just think that he's, and he he shows a lot more emotion, which is something that a lot of Flyers fans um, didn't, or commented on with Dave Haxtall. So right now, even with like, you know, uh, the road losing streak that the Flyers were on, I think the Flyer fans are still um, favorable with AV. Like Rachel said, he definitely has a long leash right now. All right. Well, thank you so much, Ian. Yeah, no problem. Thanks. This, this has been great. And uh, we'll, we'll see you around the Locked On universe. Perfect. Yeah. Thanks so much.